Good morning and welcome to the Morning Report on 89.1 WXVU Villanova Radio. You can listen locally on 89.1 FM or anywhere at wxvu.villanova.edu or on the TuneIn app. This time we have, looks like, fixed all of our podcasting issues, so this podcast should be up hopefully tonight on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and most places podcasts are heard. It is top of the hour now, which means it's time to get into some WXVU headlines. We will start in the NHL, where the 2019-2020 season started last night. We had four games on the slate, with the Toronto Maple Leafs taking a 5-3 win over the Ottawa Senators in Toronto. They also named John Tavares their 25th captain in team history before the game. The Washington Capitals defeated the defending Stanley Cup champions, St. Louis Blues, 3-2 in overtime yesterday in St. Louis as they raised their first ever Stanley Cup banner. With the Edmonton Oilers 3 and the Vancouver Connect 2. And the Vegas Golden Knights beat the San Jose Sharks 4-1. Just happening this morning, we have some breaking news out of the NHL. Alex Debrinkit has signed a three-year, $6.4 million average annual value extension for the Chicago Blackhawks. That deal will start... Not this season, but next. It is important to note that that third year has a base salary of $9 million. And tonight on Thursday Night Football, at CenturyLink Field, it'll be the Los Angeles Rams at the Seattle Seahawks. All right, those are your WXVU Sports headlines. We'll get you your next headlines coming up at the bottom of the hour. And like I mentioned, yesterday was opening day in the NHL. We had... A full slate of games coming today as there were just four yesterday. Again, we do need to discuss this Toronto Maple Leafs situation. They played the Ottawa Senators, but the game is not really what's important. It's what happened before the game. Um, Two things in particular. We'll start with the captain situation. Um, It was really down to Morgan Riley. Austin Matthews and John Tavares for the captain position. They were holding out announcing it. It was rumored that it was going to be by Christmas, maybe. Then uh, Mike Babcock said he would announce the captain before the game yesterday. He did. It was John Tavares. And let's be real, John Tavares was the right choice. It is only his second season in Toronto. But he was a former captain of the New York Islanders, and unlike the other two guys, does not have a major blemish on his record. Morgan Riley had the accusation that he was yelling homophobic slurs on the ice last year. The league investigated, and nothing came out of it, but still, certainly not a good look for him. He had something on his record, not that, again, he is innocent until he was proven guilty, which he never was, but... It was still a question that would come up that the Leafs just avoided. And then there was Austin Matthews. He is the 22-year-old future superstar of this team. uh, Number one overall pick in 2016. But he was just cited for disorderly conduct, which, again, is not good to have that citation. But it's even worse is that Kyle Dubas, the GM of the team, found out on Twitter months after it happened when the news finally broke. Again, it happened this summer in Arizona, which is where Matthews lives. And he did not tell anyone on the team that this occurred, leading to Dubas not finding out until Twitter uh, broke the story. Again, Dubas said the captain had already been decided and this did not factor in, but we can all see straight through that. Matthews probably would have been the captain of this team had this not occurred. And let's be frank, he does not deserve it after this. Yes, it's one mistake, but Tavares has zero mistakes. Um, John Tavares was the captain, again, of the New York Islanders before he came. He is signed to a longer extension than Matthews, signed a more team-friendly contract than Matthews. Matthews said, I'm going to hit unrestricted free agency as quickly as possible, really put the team in a tough spot. Um, Tavares obviously signed a massive deal that is putting the team in a tough spot, but He signed the max term, which will be helpful for the Maple Leafs in the long run. Again, John Tavares, captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs, right choice was made. Vancouver will also be naming a captain today. It looks like that'll be Bo Horvat. Um, Horvat is just rumored, but 
he seems to be the right choice. He's a 24-year-old center. Um, as we turn towards younger captains, who has been with the team his entire career and will be there for the foreseeable future as he's under contract long-term. He's become the leader in that locker room and on the ice and seems to be the perfect fit to wear the C in Vancouver. That will be announced prior to Vancouver's home opener. They want to do it in front of the fans, so it will not be for a little bit, but we will bring you the update on the new Vancouver Canucks captain when it comes out. They do not have their home opener until next Wednesday, so we'll get we'll discuss all that next Thursday show. But there was one other interesting point that came out before this uh, Toronto Maple Leafs game last night, and that was Jason Spezza. He is a native of Toronto, 35 years old, had a great NHL career with Dallas and Ottawa. Signed an incredibly team-friendly one-year, $700,000 contract with the Toronto Maple Leafs, cutting his salary by more than 90% in order to come back and try to chase a cup with the Toronto Maple Leafs, be their fourth-line center, you know, be a role player. He said all along, and as has Mike Babcock, that he has to own it, and he... Is not just going to be put in the lineup for the fact that he has a longer resume than a lot of these fourth-line guys. But let's be real again that Toronto needs this depth. Um, they pay almost half their salary cap, about 49% of it, to just four guys. They need depth, and they need good depth, and they need cheap depth. Spezza doesn't have a whole lot left in the tank, but he's seen it all. He's a good guy to have around. And again, he could have probably gotten 2 $3 million on the open market. He was making seven and a quarter last year. Now he's making just seven hundred thousand, and it's the home opener against Ottawa. Again, a team that Jason Spezza um, had an A on his sweater on for a long time. He played with Ottawa. He was very much looking forward to this game again. His first game in Toronto, and it happens to be against the team that he spent the majority of his career with. And Mike Babcock scratches. I get you want to earn your time, all of this, but this is not the time to, you know, flex your muscles on um, how on the power you have. Again, he's already on thin ice, Mike Babcock. This is not going to make it any better. He's just taking an unnecessary step to draw a lot of heat towards himself. You don't scratch a guy in the home opener against a team that he played 11 years for. Um, Spezza said all the right things. He said, I got to earn my time. Da, 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 da. He earned this time. He earned one game by signing this contract, and that was it. Um, he has not earned the right to be in the lineup every night, but he, has, he earned this one game. Mike Babcock has made... Many questionable choices with Toronto. This is just another one of them. Um, why? If you play Spezza, if anyone talks about it, it's all just that, it, oh, it's a great story. You know, this guy was drafted number two overall by Ottawa in 2002. Like, that's all you're talking about now. It's, well, Mike Babcock is a terrible coach. He's going to lose the locker room. Um, you know, Spezza said he was disappointed, which is valid for him to say, but then he also went on to say it's coach's role to be able to pick that, but this is not coach's role. Spezza did a real solid for your team. You owe him this at the very, very least. Um, just not, not a good luck for the Toronto Maple Leafs as they've had a lot of negative press this summer, all stemming from Nazem Kadri, who they smartly moved on from. And now it has gotten continuously out of control um, with the Austin Matthews situation blowing up right in their face. Just add this to the list, which begs the question, Mike Babcock is believed to be, again, we do not know the salaries of all NHL coaches. He is believed to be one of the highest paid coaches, if not the highest paid coach. Actually, now Joel Quenville is believed to be that after his new contract this summer, but one of the highest paid 
coaches in the National Hockey League. And these are just these are decisions that first year coaches make to try to, you know, show that they have the power or whatever. Honestly, there is no reason why this was ever a good choice and would ever be a good choice. Just play Spezza in the first game against Ottawa, which happens to be the home opener in the first game against Dallas. You could scratch him the other 79 games, but he took such a hometown discount for you, he at least deserves that. All right, we are going to go through a little look division by division. We'll start in the Toronto Maple Leafs division, the Atlantic division, which also happens to be the strongest division again. Um... That Atlantic division is certainly led by the Tampa Bay Lightning. They are coming off their record 62-game season. They did make some moves in the offseason. JT Miller was a cap casualty there. He was traded to um, Vancouver, basically for picks and whatever. Um, So he is a big loss for them. They also lost Anton Strauman to free agency. He was a guy that they were unable to uh, afford. They have brought in a couple sneaky good depth players, um, those being Pat Maroon coming from St. Louis with his Stanley Cup ring on a one-year $900,000 contract, as well as Kevin Shattenkirk, who was recently bought out. They also did rid themselves of Ryan Callahan's contract taking back Mike Condon in return. This team will still be incredibly competitive. Um, They are going to return an incredible roster. Um, Again, they lose JT Miller as high-end scoring depth, but that's about it. Um, He will be missed a little bit, but not really in the grand scheme of things. They're still missing Braden Point, who's injured, but he'll be back very soon. Um, but then they'll be rolling out Stamkos, Point, and Kucherov. It looks like he's got the plan to be that first line, which surpasses to uh, Colorado or Boston, whoever you thought had the best line in the league. That is certainly not it. Um, Sorelli, Palat, and Cologne is a solid second with where they really get is the depth. Rolling out Yanni Gordon, Matthew Joseph on that third line, being able to put... Pat Maroon down on the fourth line. The defense also off the charge. Kevin Shattenkirk's mad. He just got bought out. He's looking to prove himself with Victor Hedman on the top pair. You still get Saranac and McDonough on the second pair and all the way down to Mikhail Sergachev on the third pair. Andre Vasilevsky just signed his new deal. He will be looking to prove that he is the real deal still. We'll continue to go through the teams in this Atlantic division. The next team is the Boston Bruins, again, coming off their Stanley Cup loss in Game 7 at home to Colorado. No major changes uh, for the Bruins. They lost Marcus Johansson to Buffalo. He was a trade deadline pickup, one of their better players in the regular season, in the postseason. Um, they just brought in a couple role players, um, as they also lost Noel Chari. They brought in Brett Ritchie, Parlin home. That's about it. They're still going to roll out the perfection line of Marjan Bojan and Pasternak, even though Dave, or Bruce Cassidy did say that he will play David Pasternak with David Krejci at some point this year. David Krejci is a big question mark. He has a lower body injury. Injuries have been an issue for him in the past. He will be riding with Jake DeBrusque and Carson Kuhlman, at least to start. Penny is healthy. Um, it's supposedly Kuhlman's job to lose. Personally, I don't think Kuhlman has enough skill to be on a second line forward. He's fast, but DeBrusque is fast too, so he brings the speed element to that line. I'd much rather see a Danton Heinen on that line and maybe get a younger guy like Anders Bjork to take Heinen's spot on the third line. I don't personally think Kuhlman is quite ready to be an NHL player every day. Heinen will be on that third line with Charlie Coyle and David Backus. This will be one of the best third lines in the entire league. Well, Heinen and Coyle, at least, that backers will not stick there long term. I'd look for Brett Ritchie to move up into that role, or maybe even a par Lindholm. Uh, Charlie Coyle is going to feast off third pairs. He was playing third line center, a little second line center in Minnesota until he was traded last year. He can also go up and take Coleman's spot. 
on second line right wing. If necessary, Sean Corral is good enough to be a third line center in this league. Certainly, um, they have now announced that extension talks are underway with both Coyle and Tory Krug. After Krug did go to the media at the end of uh, the summer and say, "Look, they need to start talking to me soon. Like it's my future. I want to get some clarity here." The Bruins have gone that route. Uh, they're going to go with this exact same defense as last year, same goaltending situation as well. Which brings us to the other big team in the Atlantic Division. These are arguably the best three teams in the entire league. That is the Toronto Maple Leafs, who we just discussed. They were wheeling and dealing a little bit this summer. They brought in David Clarkson, who they'll only put on long-term IR for the salary cap situation. They also made a couple big trades on July 1st. They shipped out Nazem Kadri and Cal Rosen to bring back Tyson Berry and Alex Kerfoot. Kerfoot is certainly a downgrade on that third-line center from Kadri, but Tyson Berry brings a certified stud to that uh, defense, which is very suspect, and it's still very suspect, but at least he will be the power play quarterback now, except that he's on. A deal with one year left on it. Colorado attained 50% of the money, so Toronto's only paying him $2.75 million, but they're not going to be able to afford Barry when he commands $6-7 million a year on the open market. It shows they're going all in this year, which is questionable considering the long-term deals they designed, but Cadre was under contract at a very reasonable rate for the next three years. They went all in to get Barry for this year, and they signed Kerfoot to a deal paying him $3.5 million a year for the next four years. We'll see if he is worth that. Also on July 1st, they shipped out Nikita Zaitsev and Connor Brown, brought back Cody Cece, who they signed to a $4.5 million a year deal, which seems like a little steep for him. That's what Zaitsev was being paid, and Cece and Zaitsev are the exact same player, very inconsistent, except Toronto threw him Brown, too, which is good to get his $2.1 million salary off, but Still, he was a good role player for them. And then they also brought back Ben Harper, who will be starting this year at the AHL level. We will then look to the lineup there rolling out again. We mentioned Barry and Kerfoot, the two big additions. They re-signed Andreas Janssen, Sperry Kapanen, and Mikkel Marner this year. The top two lines are... Off the charts. It'll be Janssen, Matthews, and Nylander to start the year. With Kapanen, Tavares, and Marner. Kerfoot will remain in that third line center. And that's where it kind of really drops off. Um, we have no idea what we're going to see from anyone else out of that. Um, bottom six with the exception of Jason Spetzer. Who we look like may not be seeing too much of. The defense is a little more short up than it has been. Uh, Morgan Riley and Cody Cece, again, I don't trust Cece at all, but he has the potential. Looked like in Ottawa for a little bit. He could be a top pair defenseman. Now no one thinks that anymore, but he's getting a shot with Morgan Riley. Jake Muzzin and Tyson Berry will be a great second pair. And then Rasmus Sandin made the team as a 19-year-old on the third pair. We'll see how that ends up turning out. We will continue to look at the Atlantic Division when we come back from station identification and PSAs. And welcome back to the morning report on 89.1 WXVU Villanova Radio. We are looking into the Atlantic Division right now, the most competitive division in hockey. We have looked through the top three teams from last year, but there are some major dark horses this year as well. They'll continue to make this division interesting. The biggest one is the Florida Panthers. They have been a team we've talked about as a team that might break through for probably three or four years now. We still haven't seen it yet, but they made some big moves this offseason. It starts behind the bench for them. They brought in Joel Quenville, three-time Stanley Cup winning coach with the Chicago Blackhawks. He'll be taking over the helm with a brand-new Vezima Trophy winning goaltender in Sergei Bobrovsky, who just signed a massive seven-year deal at $10 million per to really take over from Roberto Luongo, who has retired. They also made some good free agent signings, bringing in Brett Connolly 
Noel Chari, and Anton Strauman to really give themselves some depth, some veteran pieces who have been there in the big games. Um, and, you know, Connolly, Stanley Cup champion, of course, with Washington. These guys have been there, done that. They'll provide de- uh, some good veteran presence to a lot of the younger guys who are not nearly as young as they once were in Florida. Uh, the Jonathan Huberdos, the Sasha Barkovs, the Vincent Trocheks of the world. We will get into what they're rolling out. They're rolling out a very competitive forward group. Jonathan Huberdos, Sasha Barkov, and Evgeny Dadanov will be that top line. The second line of Trocek, Hoffman, and Connolly. Connolly is currently hurt. Um, he is dealing with an undisclosed day-to-day injury. I'd look for him to be out there, though, when... They get underway. Also a very good defense as well. Led by Matheson and Eckblad. You also have Keith Yandel and Anton Strauman in there as well. This Florida team, again, what they really needed was a good coach. They got that. What they also really needed, really needed, was a consistent goaltender. This contract might come back to bite them at the end. But right now, it's still looking like a very... Good deal. Again, you got to overpay on the free agent market. They did. They got the best goalie available, which is something they desperately need. Another team that we don't really know what we're going to get from is the Montreal Canadiens. They were also wheeling and dealing a little bit this summer. Mark Bergevin, we know, is not afraid to do that. Um, Andrew Shaw was traded to or back to Chicago for a second and a third. That is... Seems to be a pretty good value for Shaw. He makes a lot more money than he should. Um, He's honestly not nearly as good of a player as I think people have given him up to be. He's a bottom sixer. Let's be real here. They also traded Nicholas Delorier to Anaheim. Those are really their two big losses. They're bringing back a very, very similar team. Um... There's been some controversy around this Montreal team with, you know, Jonathan Drouin not being satisfied with his spot in the lineup, but they have a chance to really put it together here. The top line is Philip Deneau, Brendan Gallagher, and Thomas Tatar. So it doesn't, you know, have that high-end skill that a lot of these other teams in the Atlantic Division have, but they got the depth. Uh, you can roll out and then Max Domi, Nick Suzuki made the team. He's got that potential for high-end skill. I would love to see him at center rather than wing, but if he's going to start at right wing in order to be on the team, I think that's fine with, like, Curry Lekkinen. But this is where you get down to that bottom six. This is where they're going to be successful, adept. Gisperi Kodakinyemi, Jonathan Duran, and Joel Armia. That's a great third line. That's as good, if not better, than the other two lines. It's just the ice time they're going to get is going to be a little lower. And then you have Paul Byron all the way down there on the fourth line. Um, one of the veterans, respected leaders on this team. The defense is also very good. Mete and Weber, Sherratt and Petrie leading the way for them. Carey Price still in the crease. He has a hand injury. It looks like he'll be good to go. But again, always something to keep an eye on with Price being injured. He is the backbone of their team. We'll get into my picks later, but I'll tell you why. If Montreal will make the playoffs how they're going to do it. Um, It's going to be Carey Price as he is the backbone of that entire franchise and will have to continue to play like one if his team's going to want to anyway be close to send the playoffs. Claude Julian says they're they're hungry, they want it. Um, We will certainly see. Buffalo Sabres are the last team we'll go over. They were really willing to deal, and they brought in Colin Miller and Jimmy Vesey this summer. Also, shipping out Alexander Nylander, they have given up on him, it appears. Also, they signed Marcus Johansson to a two-year, $9 million contract. This team will be very interesting. Jack Eichel now, his $10 million salary is kicked in. He's going to really need to start playing like it to um, justify this salary. Jeff Skinner's got a big new contract, paying him $9 million per. These guys are going to have to step up. Show that they're worth it. Eichel, Skinner, uh, Johansson. We'd like to see some of the younger guys take the next step. Like Jimmy Vesey, Sam Reinhart, we're still waiting on. He's in a contract year. Even Connor Sheary and uh, Casey Middlestad, only 20 years old. He showed serious potential next year. 
or last year. Let's see if he can really put it together. The number eight overall pick. The defense is very suspect, however. Uh, Rasmus Dahlin, again, he's just 19 years old. The number one overall pick from last year. He will be a franchise defenseman. He's just not yet. And he's going to be on that top pair with Colin Miller, who got his way, forced his way out of Boston and Vegas just by not being consistent at all. He's got a good slap shot. He's okay on the power play. That's really about it with this guy. He can skate like the wind. But in your own zone, do you really want a guy who can't be counted on to play with your future 19-year-old franchise defense? Marcus Candel is just old and a little bit washed up at this point. He's going to be on the third pair. You like to see him higher than at least Jake McCabe. Rasmus risked the line, and who knows when he'll be traded. We thought it was going to be this summer. It wasn't. He wants out, and I don't blame him. This Buffalo team, if they can put it all together, they have some skill. Um, you know, they brought in Vladimir Saboka, Marcus Johansson, re-signed Skinner. But there's a lot of major question marks here. We will have to keep an eye on. But again, this team does have a chance, at least, to make something happen. They're going to need their guys to come back from injuries fast. Again, Brandon Montour... One of their top defensemen out for four weeks. Zach Bogosian out indefinitely. Matt Hunwick out for the season. You know, the injuries are stacked up before the games have even started, which is certainly a little frightening. All right, we will be right back. You're listening to the Morning Report on 89.1 WXVU Villanova Radio. And welcome back to the Morning Report. 89.1 WXVU Villanova Radio. You can listen locally on 89.1 FM or anywhere at wxbu.villanova.edu. It is now the bottom of the hour, which means it's time for your WXBU sports headlines. We'll start with breaking news under the NHL this morning. That is forward Alex DeBrinkett has re-signed a three-year $19.2 million extension with the Chicago Blackhawks. That extension will start not this season, but next. And the third year of that contract has a salary of $9 million, which sets the base for a potential qualifying offer when the contract expires. The NHL got underway last night with the Maple Leafs taking a 5-3 win over Ottawa. That was right after John Tavares was named the 25th captain in Toronto Maple Leafs history. The St. Louis Blues ro- the St. Louis Blues hung their banner last night in the Enterprise Center in St. Louis, but they lost in overtime 3-2 to Washington. It was the Edmonton Oilers 3 and the Vancouver Canucks 2. Vancouver will name their captain before their home opener on Wednesday. And the Vegas Golden Knights set a world record for the highest puck drop and also took a 4-1 win at home over San Jose. Tonight is when most games get underway. We have Montreal at Carolina, Buffalo at Pittsburgh, Florida at Tampa Bay, Winnipeg at the New York Rangers, Minnesota at Nashville, Boston at Dallas, Calgary at Colorado, and Arizona at Anaheim. Those are your WXVU Sports headlines. We'll get your next headlines coming up at 11 o'clock. As this is the morning report on 89.1 WXVU, I'll be taking you up until just about 11 today. The show will be a little shorter due to midterm season. All right. We are going to get back with the Central Division. I think the team that may have won the offseason is the New Jersey Devils. They have not come anywhere close to the playoffs in a long time. That could definitely change this year. Their division got weaker. Um, Pittsburgh's another year older. Washington, I think, is still just as good. Carolina as well. Columbus is going to be nowhere near what they were, though. So that's, I think, where New Jersey could have a chance to slip into the playoffs. We'll get into all my predictions, though, right at the end of the show today. Again, New Jersey comes out. They trade for P.K. Subban. They trade for Nikita Gusev. They draft Jack Hughes, number one overall. And they sign Wayne Simmons to a one-year deal in free agency. Simmons was a guy who I said I didn't want to go anywhere near in free agency because of his style of play not aging well. He had a very tough second half of the year last year after he was traded from Philadelphia to Nashville. But the Devils play this totally right. They 
They've made one-year deal, $5 million. Cap space is not an issue for them. They can afford to do that. Um, maybe a slight overpay, but for Simmons, it's a chance to prove himself that he is legit and should get a three, four, five-year deal as a 31-year-old power forward. But I think we've got to look at where we're going to start on this team. It all revolves around Taylor Hall, the former number one overall pick with the Edmonton Oilers, former MVP, Art Ross Trophy winner. He'll be on that top line with Nico Heischer, the number one overall pick from 2017, and Kyle Palmieri, who seems to have been playing in New Jersey for eternity. Um, Hall's playing for a new contract. He wants it. We'll see if New Jersey will give him one. They certainly should. He's worth every penny of whatever he's paid, but he's playing for that. Right above that second line, Nikita Gusev, again, he was traded from Vegas to New Jersey for a second and a third round pick. Kind of a cap casualty out in Vegas. Um, he is completely unproven at the NHL level and makes a $4.5 million salary. But he was a real stud in the KHL. We'll see if he can put it together here in the United States. He'll be playing with number one overall pick, Jack Hughes, who looked real good in the preseason, and Jesper Bratt, who looks like another rising star for New Jersey. Again, you can see this trend. It is some really good, high-quality veterans with a lot of young, rising stars. The third line is where the depth comes in with Zajac, Simmons, and Coleman, three vets who can provide a stable fourth or third line before the young guys kind of take over the fourth line, Miles Wood and Pavel Zaka, who again was maybe going to be on the trade block after being drafted sixth overall in 2015. He hasn't really turned out yet into what we thought he may have but he is certainly getting there. The defense is even better. Again, they traded Steven Santini, one of their young, probably their best young defensemen, but they got P.K. Subban back. He'll be on that top pair with Andy Green. Got Will Butcher and Sammy Votnin. Uh, Butcher's just coming off a new deal. He was, you know, a standout at the University of Denver before signing an entry-level contract two years ago. With the Devils, he'll be with Sammy Votnin, who's in a contract year. And then you got Micro Mueller and Damon Severson to be that young third pair. It'll be very interesting what we get out of the goaltending situation here. Mackenzie Blackwood looks like he's going to make the move and be the starter. And that would put Corey Schneider to the backup role. This is a team that I think had a chance to make the playoffs. They're going to need a monster season, though, out of their perennial team MVP in Taylor Hall. We'll go to Washington next. They're the favorite to win this division. Again, you got to keep tuning in to get my picks. Those will be at, coming up right before the top of the hour at 11 o'clock. Washington has rolled out a relatively similar team in the last few years. They did lose a couple players this year. They lost Brett Conway to free agency. He went to Florida. Um, they traded Andre Burakovsky for a second and a third round pick and signing rights to Scott Komaska to Colorado. They really gave up on him. Which it was about time he needed a change of scenery. And Matt Niskanen was also shipped out as a cap casualty, kind of, but also just like a good guy to get rid of at this point in his career. He did a very good job for them, but he is well past his prime. He was shipped to Philadelphia for Radko Gudis, and they even got Philadelphia to change some salary on Gudis, giving them over $3.4 million in cap space. It's a contract year for Nick Backstrom. Um, he will be on that top line with Tom Wilson and Alex Ovechkin, pending Wilson doesn't get suspended again. Ovechkin started off the season just like he ended last year, putting a goal in the back of the net. Uh, the second line will be the same, too. Lars Eller, Jacob Verana, and TJ Oshie. This is all before um, we get they get Evgeny Kuznetsov back from suspension. Um, he was only suspended three games, so he'll be back soon. When he does, he will probably slot in with Verana and Oshie on that second line. Putting Lars Eller back to the third line where he belonged to Carl Hagelin and Richard Panic, a guy who I really like. Uh, Panic, he looked like he was going to be a top six when he arrived with Jonathan Taves in Chicago. He gets traded to Arizona, career really plateaus. Good guy to take a flyer on. Um, they actually signed him to a four-year deal, which is interesting. But again, it's low money. He could turn out to be a real diamond in the rough for them. The defense, though, yikes, that is scary. Dmitry Orlov and John Carlson 
are really the only two good defensemen they have. Brad Kogutis is decent, but often suspended. Um, they're going to really need to be waiting for Michael Kempney to come back. He should be back soon with his leg injury, but again, you never know with a guy like him. This Washington team, though, they are still the favorite to win this Metro division. It will be Pittsburgh Penguins who are really trying to come after them. This Pittsburgh team had some big changes this offseason. The big one was the trade that we all knew was coming. Phil Kessel was shipped out of town. Uh, he can only last so long in one place before he has to get traded. Um, saw that in Boston. We saw that in Toronto. Now it came to in Pittsburgh again. Great return for Phil Kessel. Um, they bring in Alex Galchenyuk and Pierre Olivier Joseph, basically for Kessel. Uh, Dane Burks, who's a very low-level prospect and a fourth-round pick. Uh, Galchenyuk is a contract year guy, which you could say is that thing they'll probably lose him in free agency. He's got a lower body injury right now, but he is the real deal. He'll play on that second line with uh, Brandon Tanev and Evgeny Malkin behind Jake Gensel, Sidney Crosby, and Patrick Hornquist. You got a great third line of Bukestad, McCann, and Cahoon as well. The defense, another team with incredibly questionable defense. Brian Dumont and Chris Letang are both great. They're among the best defensemen in the league, as is Justin Schultz. But then they're rolling out Jack Johnson, who is about as done as a player as anyone in this league is. Unfortunately, he, he just doesn't have his legs anymore. He's signed for the next four years. And then they have Marcus Patterson, who we still don't really know what we're going to get from, and Eric Branson, who we know exactly when you get from a big guy who can't skate and gets paid way too much money. This um, division, looking at it, it's just not nearly as good as it once was. When the New York Rangers were in their heyday with Washington and Pittsburgh, this was the most challenging division in the NHL. Certainly looking like the easiest one now. As the only other real competitor in this division, and you can see the holes I poked in all these other teams, is Carolina. Uh, they made... They did make some moves this year. Um... They brought in Ryan Dezingle as a free agent. He'll help him out, that's for sure. But he may put up goals. He is a disaster in his own zone. And also is incredibly inconsistent. Andre Svechnikov will have to take that next step after being drafted number two overall in 2018. He'll be with Jordan Stahl, the new captain of this team. He was named captain this past week. And Taro Taravine. And you know, Niederreiter, Spachinajo, and Brock McGinn. Will be that second line with the Zingle, Eric Howler, who was brought in in the trade, and Jordan Martinuk. The defense is still top-notch. Uh, Jakob Slavin, Dougie Hamilton, Joel Edmondson, who was just brought in the Justin Falk trade. Again, Justin Falk, we talked about that in the great detail last week as the trade happened right before we got on air, and Brett Pesci. They also bring in Jake Gardner as well. This team made it to the Eastern Conference Final kind of the fluke last year. But I would say they're the only real contender in this division that got better, not worse, this offseason. So we'll be right back looking into the Central Division. You're listening to the Morning Report on 89.1 WXVU. Back to the morning report on 89.1 WXVU Villanova Radio. You can listen locally on 89.1 FM or anywhere on wxvu.villanova.edu. We are going to look right now in the Central Division, another one of the very strong divisions in the NHL. We really have three. Um, the Central, the Pacific, and the Atlantic, of course. The first team we got to discuss is the St. Louis Blues. Um, they're defending Stanley Cup champions, uh, and they made some moves this year. They brought in Justin Falk to play on their defense with Alex Petrangelo on the top pair. We will see how that ends up working with Petrangelo moving to the left side. Um, it also shifts Vince Dunn back to the third pair, which at least at this point in his career is probably a good place for him. Other than that, they're returning 
pretty much <clears throat> the exact same team other than the fact that they traded Joel Edmondson to get um, Falk from Carolina. They then trained, they, they then immediately signed Falk to a seven-year extension. And we will definitely keep an eye on that as that goes forward. The one thing I think we do need to look about is that they re-signed Jordan Bennington. Again, a career AHL goalie who at age 25 last year comes out of nowhere and takes them to a Stanley Cup championship. Gets a two-year contract, $4.4 million a year, so he makes now $50,000 more than Jake Elliott. Um, then Jake Allen, but we still really don't know what we get with this guy. This is He's the reason why I think St. Louis takes a big step back this year. He's, he was an AHL goalie for a reason. I've said that many times before. Um, there's just no other way to get around that. You occasionally find these guys that turn out good, but look at the last goalie that they developed. It was Jake Allen. He looked good for a season or two, and now he's confined to his backup role where he's going to be for at least the rest of this contract, and I don't know if he'll ever be a starter in this league again. You just don't know on these goalies until you actually get to see them for a considerable amount of time. I just personally don't trust Jordan Bennington. That he will be able to carry this team back to the playoffs, or at least a deep playoff run. They'll be a playoff team, um, but it's really going to be them, Dallas, Nashville, Winnipeg, and Colorado. We'll get to Winnipeg now. There's a huge question mark with Dustin Bufflin. He's on a personal leave right now. I would have a hard time believing he comes back from that. It looks like he'll retire. They got injuries already with Brian Little. They did just re-sign their two big restricted free agents in Patrick Wine and Kyle Connor. But we'll see what kind of impact this has on their team on the ice. Um, those guys were talking while they were unsigned. We will certainly... I think this will shouldn't have an impact. These guys should be able to put it behind them. But there's certainly a good chance that they can. And we'll see what happens if that is the case. Nashville uh, made some big moves this summer. P.K. Subban's out. Uh, he was, you know, a Norris Trophy winner for them. They still have a great defensive core, but they brought back young players in exchange for him. Steven Santini, again, is the real deal, but just not yet. Um, it'll be very interesting to see how this team is able to Come back from that. That trade signals to me if I'm in that locker room. You don't really um, see this team right now being a major contender. Um, otherwise, they would have tried to keep Subban around. I get the cap implication of that. That allowed them to sign Matt Duchesne, which is something they really needed to do after Kyle Turris just proved that he is not a top six center in this league anymore on any team other than Ottawa. But they're going to really have to count on Dante Fabro to step up into that role on the top six, or top four, excuse me, and make a difference. Mikhail Granlund again also brought in a trade. He just, there's something about him. He can put up goals, but that's really it. And he goes dry for long, long periods of time. We'll see with Duchesne and Forsberg if that'll change on that second line. Also, Craig Smith on the first line with Johansson and Arvinson. Johansson's a big talent. Arvinson, Craig Smith, not as much. I like Cal Yonkirk on the third line and Benino, Sissons, and Watson as a fourth line. But that's not going to be what takes them over the top. Pecorino's 36 years old. There's a lot we still don't know about this team that makes them a big question mark as well. I feel like everyone's a big question mark, but I guess that's parody in the league, which is... Never a bad thing. Colorado's a team that has a chance to be a real surprise this season in a positive way. Again, they made the big trade, trading Tyson Berry and Alex Kerfoot to Toronto for Nazem Kadri. They bring in Alex Burakovsky in a trade. They got the second to third best line in hockey with Gabriel Landeskog, their captain, Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen, who just re-signed to a massive contract extension. That second line is pretty much all new. Yost was on the team last year. Kadri and Burakovsky both new. 
both guys are going to want to prove themselves basically to their old teams that they should not have been given up on. And neither of them probably should have been. Burakovsky's still 24 years old. Kadri's still a two-time 30-goal scorer. He's back in the top six position. He'll probably score at least 32 goals this year. You will have pressure behind him, though, with JT Comfort, Matt Nieto, and Jonas Danskoy all looking to move up in the lineup. I really like the signings of Donskoy and Pierre-Edward Belmar to really solidify that bottom six for them. They also bring in Valtteri Nishushkin from Dallas. Again, another guy who's just worth a flyer on. He has some talent. The defense, though, they're really young and really good. Uh, Nikita Zadorov, Kale McCarr, Sam Gerrard. These are three guys that will be... <clears throat> the future of this defense for Colorado. This team, they're going to need huge production from that top six, especially that top line. But there's a good chance they'll get it in this central division that has a lot of defensive problems. Um, a lot of these teams have massive trouble on defense. Uh, you know, you look at Chicago, you look at Winnipeg, Minnesota, even Dallas, these teams are not solidified on defense at all, which will allow these absolutely generational talents on Colorado to go in and really make a difference. Dallas, a very interesting team. <clears throat> they went for the veteran approach this year. They brought in Joel Pavelski and Corey Perry. We'll see if that pays off for them to push them over the hump. Pavelski still got something left in the tank, it looks like. We'll see if the same is the case for Perry. All right. We are running out of time here. I'm going to go incredibly quickly through the Pacific Division. Basically, the two teams we need to touch on are Vegas and um, Calgary. Vegas, bringing back a very similar team. Mark Stone, Paul Stasny, Max Pacioretty. To supplement their guys from the expansion draft. They're going to be very competitive, should win that division. Calgary also bringing back a very similar team. Sean Monahan and Johnny Gaudreau are going to have to power that team again. We're going to need a 100-point season from both of them <clears throat> and another Norris-like trophy. Norris trophy-like season from Mark Giordano, who's a 35-year-old captain now. Goaltending is what I really look at in Calgary. Is David Riddick the real deal? He's going to need to be if this team wants to go far, but I still make the playoffs. This division's not great. It has Edmonton. It has Anaheim. It has Arizona. It has Vancouver and L.A. San Jose is an interesting one. They lost Joe Pavelski. They should be a shoo-in for the playoffs still anyway. All right. We have to play our station identification and our PSAs that we missed 10 minutes ago. Then we'll be right back with predictions for the playoffs and trophies as we take up to 11 o'clock on the morning report. 89.1 WXVU Villanova Radio. And welcome back to the morning report on 89.1 WXVU Villanova Radio. Taking you up until 11 o'clock today. On a cool and rainy day here in Pennsylvania, it is now time for the beginning of season predictions. I know the season started yesterday. Um, personally, did not watch any of those games, nor did any of them impact these predictions. We are going to go division leaders, <clears throat> conference champions, Stanley Cup, and then the trophies. All right. Atlantic Division is Tampa Bay to lose. They are not going to have a 62-win season again, but they will certainly win that division. Uh, the Metro Division, Carolina is going to capitalize on their trip to the Eastern Conference Final last year, and they're going to show Washington that it's Sebastian Ajo's division now. It's Andre Svechnikov's division now. These guys are going to show that last year was not a fluke, and go back and win this division again. Winnipeg's going to put all their off-season problems behind them. That offense is going to come back with Shifley, Wheeler, Connor, and Line A, and they're going to win the Central Division while the Pacific Division, again, Vegas has their expansion draft crew, while also continuing to keep the new guys coming into the fold. They're going to look like a real strong competitor in the Pacific Division. The President's Trophy will be Tampa's. They'll probably... You can hear it first here. 58 wins for Tampa Bay. All right. 
I mean, out of the Eastern Conference, though, they might not win the division. But this Washington Capitals team is hungry. They will come out of the Eastern Conference, beating Tampa Bay in the Eastern Conference final. In the West, we will have the Calgary Flames, who will eventually go on to win the Stanley Cup. Mark Giordano is going to go all in for one last effort, while the young guys of Monaghan and Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk are going to take them to the victory in the Saddle Dome, one of its last seasons. Hart Trophy with his MVP, Nathan McKinnon. He's been a popular MVP both the last few years. He will be incremental in Colorado this year, trying to get them to the playoffs, which he should. Hall Trophy also in Colorado. Kale McCarr came out of the University of Massachusetts Amherst last year towards the end of the year in the playoffs. And put on a clinic with defense, defenseman skating. That'll continue this year, and he will have himself a Calder Trophy. The Vesma Trophy will be to the highest paid goalie in the league. That is Carey Price. He's fallen off the last couple of years. Been hurt. He's going to put this Montreal Canadiens team on the back, get them to the playoffs with the number eight seed before they get destroyed by Tampa Bay in the first round. Norris Trophy. We talked about Nashville losing a Norris Trophy winner in PK Subban. They're going to have another one this year in Roman Yossi. Contract year for him. He's been one of the best defensemen in the league. He's been overshadowed by all the other good defensemen in Nashville. He is the captain of this team. He will show them why he is the best defenseman there as well. Art Ross Trophy, most points. It will not be, it will go to Winnipeg again this year, but it will not be Connor McDavid. It'll be his line mate, Leon Dreisaitl. He started off last night um, with a big goal. He will continue to show why he is not a fluke at his $8.5 million salary. All right, it is the top of the hour now, which means it is time for us to go. Thank you for listening to The Morning Report this week on 89.1 WXVU Villanova Radio. The podcast should be up soon. I have it all recorded. It all went well, which means we will have audio from this. It'll be up on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, most places podcasts are heard. You can find out when that is up by following me on Twitter at PatrickWXVU. We'll be back with guests next week as... We continue to get into the fall semester. You're listening to The Morning Report on 89.1 WXVU Villanova Radio.